0: Well, go ahead and pull out your teaching notes and in your Bible, if you'd like to, turn to Psalm 67. Psalm 67. We're gonna take a couple weeks. We're gonna talk about the convergence of the missions and prayer movements in the earth. And the goal of this is really to strengthen our core mission here and one of our core values, the place of prayer and intercession, And see how the Lord uses the proclamation of the word in dynamic partnership with the place of intercession before him as a house of prayer in order to accomplish his purposes on the earth. So we're going to highlight today mostly in terms of what the Lord is doing with missions and not tons of details about that, but just biblically how the Lord anoints messengers to boldly proclaim the gospel in the nations of the earth. Psalm 67, just a brief introduction on this, and we'll go through this a little bit uh, deeper today. Psalm 67 is a chapter in the Bible that seems rather obscure, but it dynamically highlights the convergence of the proclamation of the word with intercessory prayer. And there's a three-stage unfolding through Psalm 67 that David had understanding of and that we are to glean from as a spiritual body so that we're strengthened all the more in the place of prayer and intercession before the Lord. And here's one of the things that the Lord keeps highlighting to me to talk to our spiritual family about and highlight before us is that there's a unique grace on this spiritual family for the place of fasting and prayer for breakthrough before him. It's not the only grace that exists and it's not the only mission or assignment that's in front of us as a spiritual family, but the Lord has released an unusual grace upon this people for those that are in all walks of life. And I'm talking about those that moved here from across the country, which many of you did, moved here to join and be a part of this ministry. And I wanna encourage you in this, even as we're looking forward to this next week in the sacred trust, and again, we're encouraging the whole spiritual family to commit to a prayer meeting a week in the prayer room. When you touch this core mission and this assignment and you begin to own it as your own, even in a limited capacity, we all feel weak and limited, but when you begin to touch it, There is a grace from heaven that is released upon your life. It's the same that would be true if you joined another church ministry or church family that was in Kansas City and you take on the assignment that the Lord has, that distinct assignment that the Lord has for that particular ministry. There's a grace from heaven that begins to flow through your life. And my zeal is that the grace of God would begin to touch your life in an intentional and dramatic way. And one of the easiest ways is that we begin to understand and begin to engage in, again, even in the one prayer meeting a week or an hour a week, whatever it is, that we begin to engage as a spiritual family in this in a more dynamic way. Well, let's look at Psalm 67. It says, God, be merciful to us and bless us. Cause your face to shine upon us. Selah. Every time it says selah in the Psalms, that was actually the cue for a musical interlude. And during that musical interlude, where no words were being spoken or no songs were being sung, it was a time to reflect on the previous truth that had just been spoken. And there are three different selahs that we see through this psalm, but I just want you to note that whenever you see that in the psalms, that's what that means. Verse two, that your way, God's way, would be known in the earth and his salvation among the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. You will judge the people righteously and govern the nations of the earth. This is what they're singing, that the Lord would judge the nations, that he would govern, that he would have authority on the earth over all of the nations. Look at verse 5. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. Verse six then begins to show us what happens when all of the nations begin to declare the praises of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The earth will begin to yield its increase. And our God will bless us. Our God will bless us. Verse seven, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Heavenly Father, we come before you As a spiritual family, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your purposes and plans are made known to us through your word. You could have left us so in the dark, yet you gave us such light and understanding through the richness of the word of God. For that we praise you. And we ask that you would provoke us and that you would touch our hearts and that we would be all the more stirred up. That we would have zeal for your purposes in the earth. That we would see this dynamic convergence of missions and prayer and the gospel and intercession going forth in our generation in an increased way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, in this convergence of missions and prayer, I was reflecting on this the last couple of weeks, and it's actually the mission's call, the call to the mission field that brought Morgan and I both into the prayer movement. Both of us had a pretty significant heart for missions. My wife applied for YWAM in Scotland. She was gonna go there. Part of my story is that I had a reoccurring dream about preaching the gospel with power in these rural areas throughout Africa. and This began in my childhood. I had this dream, I don't know, 10, 20 times. It was always the exact same dream. And I wasn't super familiar with a lot of the mission stories of great power and miracles and signs and wonders as it pertained to modern history in the church. I knew the Bible stories, but I didn't know that God released unbelievable supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles today. And I kept having this reoccurring dream as a kid, and I'm preaching the gospel, and then I would be persecuted, and the dream was that I would be about to be killed, my head, you know, cut off, and suddenly the supernatural power of God would break in, and I would be delivered, and everyone would be converted to the name of Jesus in the dream, and then I would... In the dream, I would go to this next kind of rural area or village. I had this dream over and over, but I never knew what to make of it. In about eighth grade, I meet a missionary at a small group gathering at our church. or That was a part of our church. I meet a missionary who's a Bolivian. He was born in Bolivia. And he had a dynamic ministry in the Middle East. And and a lot of these gospel-resistant nations, gospel-closed nations... And in the nation of Nepal. And I remember being in eighth grade, and I'm listening to this guy, he's sharing in a living room in our neighborhood, and he's telling these stories about these miraculous breakthroughs of God, angelic intervention, and how he would about to be captured or imprisoned, and the Lord would supernaturally deliver him out of these different situations. And as I'm listening to him, as you know, an eighth grader, 13 years old, whatever, I'm listening to him, I'm going, this sounds like the dream that I had when I was a kid. And I long to see the supernatural power of God manifest with the preaching of the gospel. And I remember one story that he was sharing because one of his main uh, ministry expressions was to smuggle Bibles into, into these Middle Eastern nations that are very hostile to the gospel. And we were like, well, what's your plan? Like, how do you get these Bibles? He smuggled thousands and thousands of Bibles into these closed nations. I can't, I'm not gonna name them just for, you know, whatever sake. But you can picture what nations these are. And and we're like, well, what's your strategy? And he's telling these stories. And we're like, do you like cross the border at night with like a truckload of Bibles? Like, what do you do? And he's just, he goes, no. He goes, I just get the biggest suitcases I could find and I fill them with Bibles and I buy a one way ticket to the nation that I'm supposed to go to that the Lord tells me to go to. He goes, I never have any money. I don't have a job. I don't have anything. But when the Lord, When it's time to go, the Lord will tell me the nation. He'll tell me how many Bibles to get. Someone will give me a check for the Bibles out of the blue. Then someone will give me a check for my flight. And I'll just get on a plane with four huge suitcases filled with Bibles. And he'll just show up at the nations, at the customs, like, hi. I mean, he did this hundreds of times in these nations. Hundreds And he would show up and the customs agents, if you've ever been through customs in a foreign nation, sometimes it can be a kind of a very intimidating situation. All the more when you show up as a Christian missionary with only Bibles, he would bring only Bibles in his bag. He wouldn't try and hide them. He wouldn't try and like, it was, he would wear just the the clothes he had on his back and then four suitcases of Bibles. And he's just there. And he said one time, they take his stuff, and they're like, we're going to search all this. So they take all of his stuff, these four bags, into this room. They open up the suitcases, and he's waiting in this other room. And he would just pray, God, help me. (laughs) Like, this could be really bad. So he would just sit there and just pray, Lord, help, you know, whatever. And they're just like, "Uh, we need to talk to you. So they bring him into the room, and he goes into this room and there's all these agents that are there, you know, and they have the Bibles all stacked on this, these two tables. It's like, you know, 500 Bibles or something like that, only Bibles. And they're like, can you explain what these are? (laughs) He goes, they're gifts. They're like, no, 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 but like what's in these, what's in these books? He's like, they're books, they're gifts for friends. (laughs) And he just keeps telling them that they're gifts and he's bringing them to their friends. And he says that the soldier, one of the guys that's there, one of the guards, tries to pick up one of the books, and he like reaches for it, and his hand gets frozen in midair. He's like, he's trying to reach down to pick up a Bible, but he physically can't do it. And he's looking at his hand. He's like looking at the books, and he goes, he's trying to pick up this book. And he's looking over at, at our friend, this missionary guy, and he's just like, just smiling. They're like, what are these books? You know, and they're like yelling, raising their voice. I mean, and he's just like, they're books, they're gifts for my friends. I'm gonna give them to all my friends. And the guards would get so frustrated that they would tell him to just pack up his stuff and leave, but they would let him into the nation. And I'm not I'm not kidding. He as he's telling these stories, this wasn't like one story. It's like that type of thing happened every time he went into these nations. He would have these remarkable stories of how he would break down, and these, you know, people would be trying to kill him, and he would be locked inside of this. This one was, he was locked inside of this car for three days, you know, and they're trying to tip it over and light it on fire. He's just in this, just rocking, you know, smiling. He's like the most happy, joyful guy, and as I'm hearing this, you know, as a young man, I began to get a vision. I was like, God moves in miraculous and powerful ways today, and we know that because you know we read Voice of the Martyrs and we get the email updates and we've heard these different stories and there's different biographies. But when I was 13, I did not know that. And that struck me. That awakened a hunger in me to see a radical move of God in our generation and to see powerful signs and wonders and miracles through the preaching of the word of God in a dynamic and increased way. And so it was confusing to me that the Lord would lead me to the prayer movement, Grandview, Missouri. I mean, I grew up here, a part of this church, but I thought I was going to the mission field. I thought I was going to go do that dream and probably die. And then the Lord's like, well, here's a wife, and here's a family, and here's an occupation. you supposed to stay here and pray. And I was always like, what in the world? I thought I'd be like dead by the time I was 35. And I I really did. Like I had just resignated, you know, even as an eighth grader, I was just like, I'm gonna go travel with this guy. He actually invited me personally to travel with him when I graduated high school and kept in touch with me for many years, amazing. But the Lord in our day is bringing together this dynamic convergence of missions and prayer that we need to grab a hold of. Because our prayers are like the Air Force that are going in over these nations, regions, cities, neighborhoods, even our own, to clear the heavens so that when the ground troops come in of the evangelists, the missionaries, the church planters, the local churches, when they come in, that the warfare has been cleared out and that the gospel has a greater effect. You know, Paul the apostle, the greatest missionary, uh, probably ever, is known for constantly soliciting the prayers of the local churches to hold him up in prayer because he knew the dynamic power of intercessory prayer before God before the mission on the earth goes forth. Well, Psalm 67, let's look at this, and outline, and we're gonna take two weeks on this. We're not gonna go through all these uh, notes today. we am gonna take a couple weeks on this. This song, Psalm 67, reveals a threefold plan of the purposes of God that we want to be aware of. And these purposes are going to come to their fullness in the generation of the Lord's return. We see this strategic and notable conjunction of prayer and missions going together to accomplish God's purposes in our generation. Verse 1 and 2 you can look down at the notes here, is in essence stage one. What happens is God is gonna release an increased anointing upon the gospel witness. It's gonna be in conjunction with intercessory prayer. But the power on the preaching of the word is going to increase in the generation of the Lord's return to a level that we can't possibly imagine. It's going to go beyond what we saw in the first and second great awakenings in America. It's going to go beyond what we saw in the book of Acts with the early church. The anointing on the preaching of the word, where the word goes forth And it's like an arrow that pierces the soul of the hearer and they can't resist the work of the Holy Spirit as the Lord begins to convict them of their sin and convince them that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. And the Lord's gonna raise this up all across the nations with believers and missionaries and church planners and evangelists and our sons and daughters are gonna walk in these things, I believe, in a very dynamic way. Well, the second stage, number two, is that this gospel witness is gonna result in the nation's praying and singing. The very thing that launches out the missionaries into the harvest of prayer and worship will result, through the gospel witness, in returning even more prayer and worship into the body of Christ. And it's going to be this acceleration of prayer leading to proclamation, leading to prayer, leading to proclamation. And it's going to greatly accelerate and exponentially increase in that generation, particularly the one of the Lord's return. This prayer and singing, number two, is going to release God's justice in the nations of the earth. It's the way that God has ordained for his justice to go forth is through prayer, proclamation, and singing. That's the way that he's done it. Now, I've talked with the Lord about this over the years. Lord, why did you choose singing and worship before you as one of the main catalytic events that causes your justice to break forth in the nation. And I think there's a lot of mystery to that. I mean, if I were God, I would not have done it that way. I mean, imagine you're God, okay? Probably not that hard for some, more than others. We're gonna walk with you through this season. Imagine you're God, and you're laying out your strategy of how your purposes are going to go forth in the earth. Like, your roster includes Michael, the archangel. Your roster includes Gabriel, Moses, Elijah. I mean, all these incredibly anointed, powerful beings. You have the four living creatures. Like, what if you just sent one of those things into Grandview, and just, you know, the... The eagle creature just rah, shows up at Truman Corners. Like people will be like, ah. And the Lord goes, I, I mean, I could do that, but instead, I'm going to, in partnership with weak people in Grandview, not just Grandview, but I, in partnership with weak people, I'm going to get them to sing my praises to me in a little prayer room. I'm gonna get them to pray these apostolic prayers, I'm gonna get them to agree with my heart through the word of God, and when they sing to me, even when they don't feel like it, and maybe even especially when we don't feel like it, he says, I'm going to release my purposes on the earth. Yahweh, the God of unmitigated power and splendor and glory, I mean, he spoke the worlds into existence. He named all the stars. He goes, I want 15-year-olds and 40-year-olds and 55-year-olds and 85-year-olds, I want them singing songs to me. And when they do that, it's gonna be part of the equation for my purposes to go forth in the earth so that, look at the very end of Psalm 67, verse seven, the very ends of the earth will fear me the ends of the earth are going to fear the God of the Bible, Jesus. They're going to fear him and tremble before him because of the singing of his saints. Isn't that unbelievable? The enemy has a strategy for this generation. We see it in the news and it's always bad news. There's always bad things happening. There's wars. There's rumors of wars. There's tragedy. People are fighting. People are arguing about the people fighting. People are fighting about the people that are arguing, about the people that are fighting. The the the, the enemy is, he's deceiving the nations. He's getting the nations into idolatry. He's gonna, he's gonna anoint a man called the Antichrist before the coming of the Lord that's gonna seduce the nations of the earth and Bring them under his subjection and they're gonna worship him falsely. I mean, it's just like bad. There's this bad plan. And it involves money and power and, you know, the Illuminati or something. (laughs) I don't know. It involves all this stuff, militaries and nuclear weapons and all this crazy fear and terror. And the Lord goes, I've got my plan though. My plan's gonna win. My plan is going to beat out the enemy's plan of deception and evil and death and disease and illness and hatred and animosity. He goes, my plan's going to beat out And the angels, you can imagine them, just made up, going to the Father and being like, what's your plan? I'm going to anoint some singers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to anoint some singers and they're going to get before me and they're going to sing the songs of Zion and they're going to pray prayers to me. And at 6 a.m. on Monday morning and then 4 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon, I'm going to have people all across the nations. They just, they just sing to me and they declare my worth. And he says, I am going to release the justice of heaven through their words and through their song. If you've ever sat there in the prayer room, you've ever been in there for even, you know, it's so hard to get there. Sometimes I just wanna like hug people as they walk into the lobby. Like you made it, like frazzled, like pushing a stroller with kids, they're already screaming, you know. Ah, I just wanna hug them. Like you made it. You made it in and then you sit there and you're like, I need, now I need to hear from God now. My life is holding on by a thread. Like, Lord, if you don't meet me right now, like I don't know what's gonna happen. It's all falling apart. The rails are coming off the train. We can just all agree that everybody feels like we're all going off the tracks every day, right? Like, maybe that's the way God wants us to feel because he goes, at the end of the day, this is about me Delivering you by my grace and mercy more than it is you figuring out your life and being so anointed and perfect. Anyways. So anyway, sir, so you're, you're sitting in the prayer room. Have you ever had this thought? Why am I doing this? Why am I here? Why did I move my family here? I'm from Northern California. It's beautiful. The air is clean. The lakes are clean. There's just cleanness. It's, it's so nice to live there. And the Lord told me and my family, move to Kansas City. Buy a house in Grandview, Missouri. Go to a prayer room that is hard to get to. Sit in front of me for 20 minutes with your screaming children. Give them raisins to buy you time. Every raisin is 15 more seconds before me. It's like a little vending machine. I'm gonna invent this. Or like have a little foot depressed pedal that just, you know, ejects snacks for my children when they're in there. Just like, blessed be the name, trail mix comes out of the Lord. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? And I feel like the Lord would say to you, because it's the wisdom of heaven. It's what he wants. We're not doing it because it's what we want. We're doing it because it's what God wants. And what a beautiful picture of being a disciple of Christ and being his servant to do what God wants. I don't understand your ways. I don't know why you want prayer and singing. I don't know why you want that. But just because I don't know why and just because it doesn't always meet my personal need in the moment doesn't mean I'm not gonna do it. It doesn't mean I'm not gonna attempt. It doesn't mean I'm not gonna come back to you. Day after day in my own heart, in my own home, in the car, dropping off the kids at school and then picking them up and then taking them to piano and picking them up and taking them to soccer and picking them up. And I'm spending years of my life in a car. No one warned me about that. No parenting book said that. You will sleep less and you will live your life in a vehicle. It's like, it sounds like I'm going to be homeless or something. You know, it's like, well, welcome to parenting, you know. It was, I don't know why God wants that, but that's just the way that he's ordained. He goes, I'll meet you in such a dynamic way along the way. Stay with it. Some of you have been here a year or two or three. You've lost sight of it a little bit. You had a vision that your family and your children would be in the house of the Lord. And I just mean, you'd get there once a week. You made this commitment, and you uprooted, and you moved here from the nations, or you moved here from across the country, or you moved here from Minnesota, and you're hearing it, you're like, this is harder than I thought, it's more inconvenient than I thought, and yet God wants to remind us and refresh us that in the weakness of our prayers before him, his strength is going to go forth. His justice will go forth. Our children will touch things in God that we only dreamed of because a bunch of people said yes to the weakness of prayer. Look at number three, the third stage of what the Lord releases is that through the singing, wait, back at number two, I kind of got lost there. Back at number two, God's justice breaks out, and then his full governance Begins to manifest on the earth. Meaning, it's singing that will bring back and be a part of the return of Jesus to the earth. He'll establish his government, but the mission is not over yet. And this is the part that's maybe surprising in verse 5 through 7 of Psalm 67. Jesus's government and glory will continually increase after his return through prayer and singing and mission, do you know that? Your assignment is not just limited to this life. There is a future assignment and role that you will play after the coming of the Lord as his government increases through the nations and ultimately into all the created order, the cosmos. The earth will serve as the holy of holies set as a speck within the created order, the universe, the cosmos, that is the temple of his glory. And Isaiah tells us, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And God will advance his governance And his glory and the revelation of his splendor beginning in Jerusalem and then to the Middle East and then to all the nations and then all the way to the islands and then into the universe, his glory will forever continuously expand and increase for all of eternity. Do you know that? And you and I play a dynamic role in that. We, in partnership with the bridegroom, will be a part of his purposes to see his glory fill the entire created order. I don't even know what that fully means. I don't know what it means. Are we gonna go to some star far away, Alpha Centauri, and some moon planet that's there and God's glory is gonna break out? Why not? I don't know. All I know is his glory is gonna increase forever and ever, and we play a strategic and dynamic role in that. Page two. There's a dynamic convergence that I've mentioned of prayer and missions coming together. We hold very dear and strategic relationships and friendships with missions, movements, and organizations all across the earth. And one of the key ones is youth with a mission, YWAM. As a spiritual family, we have a commitment to stand with them, to pray for them, and to contend for them that through what they're doing in the nations, the gospel would go forth in great power. We need them, and they need us. And just a couple weeks ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to spend some time with some YWAM leaders at the Kona base and hear some of their stories. And this is one of the things that so struck us. They are so encouraged by IHOPKC. They are so encouraged by this spiritual family. They said, we covet your prayers. We need your prayers. And as we talked more and more One of the guys that leads a messaging DTS, preaching DTS, said he said, I'll be in a nation on outreach with my team. And he said, I will feel so weary and so discouraged. And he says, all of a sudden, this wave of strength and energy, like spiritual might, will go and blow on me. He says, all of a sudden, I will have this supernatural strength when I'm so tired and weary and, you know, whatever. He said, I know that's because of the prayers of the saints. I know that's because of the prayers of what you guys do in Kansas City. He said, please keep going. Please keep going. And I met so many missionaries, base leaders, DTS leaders, da da da, in our little time that's, that was there. And all of them held this deep connection in their heart to this place. And I heard over and over again, they said, I never have been to Kansas City, but I feel like you guys are part of my family. And I tune into some of your services or I tune into the web stream. And when I hear you guys praying for us and contending for the missions movements in the earth and for the gospel to go forth, they said, I am so encouraged and strengthened by that. Please keep going. Please keep going. I met a man who came here in the late 80s And he heard Mike's story when Mike would talk about Hudson Taylor from Mike's early days of getting caught into the missions movement and what God was doing in the earth. He said, I heard Mike talk about Hudson Taylor and get this vision for, I'm gonna go become a medical doctor so that I can go do medical missions in the earth. And he said, back in the 80s, he goes, guess what? He goes, I did it. He goes, I came here, I heard one message I got so provoked, he said, I went and became a medical doctor, spent 21 years in Pakistan preaching the gospel, had my kids there, raised my family there. And this is what he said. He said, go back. He said, tell Mike Bickle this. Thank you for not going, but for sharing what the Lord had deposited in you. Because if you had had gone, I wouldn't have gone. My family wouldn't have gone. And he said, and day and night prayer wouldn't have happened in Kansas City. He said, go back and thank him. I was like, I mean, this guy had been one time, maybe two times here, and touched the prayer reality and the heart for missions and prayer that we carry, and it reshaped the trajectory of his whole life. Now his two daughters are connected into YWAM. His son leads a missions base in Nepal. They have a fiery prayer room. It was like this generational explosion came when this Partnership, this these missionaries, these people that have a heart for the nations just came and rubbed shoulders with us at a weekend conference. I'm saying this so that we're encouraged. I'm saying this so that we're strengthened. So that we see what the Lord is doing in the earth and we go, I have a part to play. If God called you here and called you to be a part of this spiritual family, you have a heart to play in this. During that trip, paragraph D, I had a brief dream. In the dream, I saw Jesus, his back. I wish I would seen his face, but. He was bent over on the ground, and he was building together a structure. And on one side, it said on this wall, this framed-out wall, it said IHOP KC. And on the other wall, it said YWAM. And he was bringing them together. But there was this process that was involved. And I know that Mike and Lauren Cunningham and many of the leaders of YWAM and leaders here, part of this ministry, have dynamic relationships and it's increasing all the more. And I believe that in the next 10 years, the convergence of YWAM and IHOPKC is only going to grow and be strengthened it's not the only relationship the Lord is dynamically connecting us with, but it's one of the key ones. And as he's bringing together these walls, he's removing all of these hindrances, like there's these old screws and the pieces of wood, and he's removing them, and he's getting it all ready so that when the connection fits together, it will never come apart. And he's bolting it together in the dream, and here's what I understood in the dream was that it takes two walls coming together to make a structure. Otherwise, we're just a wall laying on the ground. But the Lord is joining together different streams and ministries all across the body of Christ, not just here with IHOP and Y1, but all across I believe there's gonna be an increase, we're already seeing it, of these convergences of ministries and streams and movements that are coming together because we can't accomplish the purposes of God in our generation alone. As these two walls, YWAM and IHOPKC, were joined together, I understood two things. One, when you have a structure built together, it can bear weight, and I understood that to be the weight of glory, the anointing of the Holy Spirit that God wants to release upon the body of Christ. We can bear the weight of it, but we can't bear the weight of it alone. Just like a wall cannot stand on its, other, on its own, it needs another wall to be co-joined. The second thing I understood was that there was going to be the increase of winds of resistance. That the enemy is going to resist these relationships coming together. He's going to resist the partnership of prayer and missions coming together. There's going to be an increase of persecution of resistance, of evil men scheming against the plans of the Lord. And yet it takes two walls cojoined, and there's probably two other walls that I didn't even see in the dream, to stand against the schemes of the evil one. Do you get it? Prayer and missions come together so that the Lord can release his glory and that it can stand against the winds of resistance from the evil one. We have a part to play. I wanna encourage you to consider just on your own, this is spontaneous, just to consider adopting a missionary that you pray for, or a missions base, or a particular outreach, or area, or leaders that are a part of these different missions organizations and pray for them every day. Because, like my friend was sharing, his name's Christoph, like Christoph was sharing, He would be on outreach and suddenly the wind of the Holy Spirit would blow on him with increased strength and boldness. What if that began to happen? I know it's happening, but what if it began to happen with missionaries all across the Middle East, all across the nations, in Canada, in Latin America, in the Americas? All across Europe, what if suddenly someone's on outreach, someone's sharing the gospel with someone at a cafe, and the wind of the Spirit blows on them with a supernatural boldness? Beloved, this is the dynamic partnership that the Lord wants to increase. The increase of the supernatural working of miracles, of deliverance, of signs and wonders, of a gospel power that no one can resist, so that the excuse is removed from the nations and they know they are rejecting Jesus. All the excuses have been removed from their mind because there's anointed church walking in power with a gospel witness that confounds them and they can't overcome it. Let's stand invite the worship team to come out Coming back from this time with these various YWM leaders I felt all the more Morgan and I felt all the more resolved and committed to this spiritual family. Not that we were questioning it. We just came back with this wind of encouragement of like, yes, God, we have a part to play. Yes, God, Forerunner Church, we have a part to play. And it seems weak, and it seems like it's not very effective, but it's a part that we play that no one else can play. Not in this specific, you know, building. <laughs> we play our part. Others in the body of Christ, the churches in Kansas City, they play their part. The outreach ministries to the poor, those that clothe the homeless, they play their part. And as a spiritual family, we're gonna touch all these various areas to differing degrees, but we have a primary assignment before us, and it's to worship and praise Jesus and to cry out for the release of his power in our generation. It's glorious. We're going to see it. We're going to see God move in our generation. Holy Spirit, we come before you as a spiritual family, young and old. Those of us that have been here three months, those that have been here 30 years, we come before you as a spiritual promise or as a spiritual family. We say yes what you're doing. We say yes, God. We love your leadership. We love the way in which you govern the nations of the earth. We love it. We don't always understand it, but we love it. Righteous and true are all your ways, O King of the Saints. Just and true. Marvelous are your works, what you're doing, in the nations, what you're going to do in the days to come, what you're going to do with our children and our grandchildren as they walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, a Luke four eighteen hour. God, we cry out for the release of your presence and your power to flow upon the intercessors, to flow upon the missionaries, to flow upon church planners, to pl- flow upon those that do the compassion ministries all across the body of Christ. We say yes, oh God. I'm so stirred to cry out for this Luke 4.18 release and anointing to come. If it's the hour of Luke 4.18, beloved, I don't know about you, but I wanna see it. I don't wanna just be encouraged by it. I am encouraged by it. I wanna see it break out in our city. I wanna see it break out in Israel. I wanna see it break out in China. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would release a Luke 4.18 hour upon the body of Christ. You, Jesus, that anoint your servants to preach the gospel with power. Lord, we cry out for the release of your Spirit and your promises. We want every nation to know and fear the name of Jesus. Release your glory. Release your power. This is what I want to do. Some of you just need to be refreshed in the Lord and encouraged again that the Lord has you on assignment while you're here connected to this spiritual family. But maybe you felt a little bit discouraged. I want to invite you to come to the front right now because the Lord wants to refresh you and remind you of why you came. The second is the Lord put a seed for missions in the nations in your heart, but you've been a part of this spiritual family. You're going, I don't, I don't get how this plays out the lord wants to awaken something in you right now i want you to come to the front and then the third group that i want that i want to pray for are those families that you either fund missions in the nations you fund intercessory missions or you're sending your children to dts's or there's something That's in the heart of your children or your family or relatives to go and do missions i want to invite you to come to the front because the lord wants us all connected to his grand story we all have a part to play some of our part is in the marketplace some of it's in the prayer room for a bunch of hours a week some just Come in for a little bit. Others put money into it. Others send their children into it. But we all have a part to play as God reveals his glory in this generation. He will make the name of Jesus feared and revered. Amen. Let's spread out, if you wouldn't mind, just move down towards this way to allow some of our ministry team to come up and pray. What are we praying for? We're praying for the grace of God to flow through us again. In a fresh way grace for prayer grace for missions grace for our assignment grace that washes away the discouragement and the heaviness and the weariness come Holy Spirit we ask that you would anoint your people for what you're doing in the name of Jesus
1: Yeah.